church family. You may take a seat. As you saw, it was a little different this morning uh, to start out in worship. Um, we had several children up here helping us lead this morning, and that was just a, um, a little way to say thank you to Pastor Ernie. You see, these were all people, um, all children that he has uh, worked with, that he has served, um, that he has taught on Sunday mornings, on Wednesdays, um, me being one of them. I remember uh, when I was in fifth grade, I moved down here, and he was, you know, he was uh, there to teach me and, you know, help me become the man I am today. So we are very thankful for you, Pastor Ernie. Um, and so that was just a way to say thank you. Um, with that being said, uh, after the service today, we are going to have a reception for Pastor Ernie over in the uh, gym. Just a way to, again, to say thank you um, for all his service as he has retired. Um, you know, we are th very thankful. Um, so I wanted to start this morning with the welcome uh, and just read some of uh, Lamentations chapter 3, um, which when you hear Lamentations, that's a strange book to start with because it's, you know, a lament. Um, and so the start of Lamentations, we have uh, the prophet who is just talking about how his soul is downcast, how he's depressed, how he's struggling with all this stuff. Um, and in chapter 3, starting in verse 21, it says, But this I call to mind, therefore I have hope. The Lord's loyal kindness never ceases. His compassion never ends. They are fresh every morning. Your abundant faithfulness is abundant. My portion is the Lord. I have said to myself, so I will put my hope in him. And so we just see you know, the prophet here just, just reminding himself, even in his, his depression, in his state of um, hurt, that the Lord is faithful. Um, and so wh wherever you are right now, whether um, you're on cloud nine, like the Lord's just blessing you and, you know, you're doing so great. Or if you're facing a trial right now, you can put your hope in the Lord and you can trust him because he is our portion and his Compassion never ends. His faithfulness is abundant. 
and this loyal kindness that we see. Um, so I wanted to just say welcome. Uh, if you're a guest, we have connection cards um, that you can fill out. Just tell us a little bit about yourself. We would love to be able to get to know you, um, to say thank you for coming, um, and to be able to connect you with a ministry if you are interested in serving or if you just want to learn more about the church. Um, tonight, uh, we're going to do a night of prayer. Um, so it's the second Sunday. So the second Sunday is the night of prayer. And so we're going to come together uh, at um, 6 o'clock tonight and do prayer groups. Um, so be here. We would love to be able to pray with you guys um, together as a family. Um, and every month we've been doing a memory verse. Um, and so we didn't do one last week, uh, but this week we will start. And the verse is going to be uh, Psalm 95, verses 6 and 7. So if y'all will read that with me. It says, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, and the sheep of His hand. Psalm 95, 6 and 7. Let's read that one more time. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, and the sheep of His hand. Psalm 95, 6-7. What a great reminder that we are worshiping the Lord that created and the Lord that holds us. So as we continue in worship, um, let's have a word of prayer and remember um, who we are worshiping. Let's pray. Father, you are good. God, you are so gracious to us. Lord, the only reason that we are able to worship is because of you. God, help us to worship you and remember that we are your children. Father, draw us into your presence. Lord, bring your spirit here that we may be able to worship you. God, help us to focus on you, not to get distracted. as we continue in worship to glorify you. We love you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand as we continue to worship through song. Color, flash. 
flashes of lightning, rolls of thunder. Blessing and honor, strength and glory and power be to you, the only wise King. In holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. Oh 
because of your son, because of the sacrifice that you made, allowing us to be reunited with you. God, for paying our debt, whatever trial, God, whatever suffering we go through in this life, Lord, we can look forward to eternity with you and know that it is well with our souls in the good time and in the bad. When we rejoice always, God, we can rejoice always. Father, I pray as Pastor Joel brings the message, God, that you will give us ears to hear and hearts to understand. God, that we will leave this building better equipped to be your church, to show your love to those around us. God, I pray that you speak through Pastor Joel. Thank you for this time. We love you and we praise you. Seated in your pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, Pastor Ernie and Ruth and Michael, uh, it's kind of it's hard to uh, honor you when it's a worship service, okay? But uh, I think our kids did a great job, didn't they? Uh, I was with them on Wednesday night, thanks to uh, Michelle Jones and her her uh, sons for helping prepare our kids uh, to sing. Uh, they tried to get me to wear one of the Awana vests. I look kind of funny in it. Okay, they didn't have one big enough. 
And so I'm doing the best that I can, dear brother. I, in some ways, I feel like uh, singing uh, a Toby Mac song that says, Let's get this party started. For those of you that are old enough to remember Toby Mac. Okay. <laughs> but uh, we are going to have our worship time together, and then we will go and we will have a time of giving thanks to the Lord uh, for faithful servants unto Christ. Uh, kids, I do thank you for what you guys did coming up here and the way you sang. And you sang it heartily as unto the Lord, and it was encouraging uh, to my soul. Uh, I'm going to introduce the book of Isaiah. Uh, and it is my plan to preach through the book of Isaiah over the next six months. Ha, 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 ha. So I'm going to skip a lot of things, okay? We're going to do it in a more general basis. And by the way, Ed, are you and Marsha still together? You're here by yourself this morning. Came all, came all the way from Minnesota by yourself, huh? Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, last, I shouldn't, last Sunday we had somebody from uh, Germany... Uh, so they got the prize for being the furthest to have come for church, but but not the coldest. Okay. So you Minnesotans, I can't say it, okay? I'll let Chuck do it. Uh, we are glad to have you here, dear brother. You have a copy of God's Word. Let me invite you to turn to the book of Isaiah. He is the prince of the prophets, as he's been called. It is the... Uh, the largest prophetic book uh, in the Old Testament. And uh, I, uh, if, for those of you that are, are on the top of your game, you'll remember that on October the 10th of 2020, uh, 2021 rather, uh, I did a message out of the first chapter, uh, not planning to uh, go through the book of Isaiah, uh, but uh, it's been some, a book I've been studying a lot over the last couple of years, and I just there's some things that I think are significant for our day that are very similar to the day of Isaiah, and so uh, it, it will be a great word for our hearts and our souls. And I think you'll see it because I'm going to give you a, a little bit of an overview uh, this morning. Um, so. Uh, I want you to understand that the main theme of Isaiah, and this is really going to surprise you, is Jesus. Okay? As, as is every book of the Bible, right? But this has an idea about the messianic role of the Lord Jesus Christ. Him being the Messiah. And in particular, he is of the tribe of Judah. He is the offspring of David. He has the right to be our Messiah, our King, our Savior. And uh, all through this book, that theme will come up over and over again. And uh, we know that he, in his deity, is God come in the flesh. And yet in his humanity, uh, he is the rightful king of the lineage of David. And so the book presents itself in some messianic portraits. And there are three of them here. Uh, let me just say that the introduction to the book is actually chapters 1 through 5. And so when you pick up in chapter 6 and go through verse uh, chapter 37... You have uh, the portrait of the Davidic king uh, of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, uh, you could say it's broken down into three books with an introduction. Now, those of you that have studied uh, a long time ago know that those who didn't believe the Bible but taught it in seminaries used to say there were two Isaiahs. Well... Your pastor says apparently there must be three Isaiahs. Uh, no, I, no, they're really not three. Uh, what happens is the book of Isaiah covers a long period of time. Uh, it begins with recording what happens in 740 B.C. And then it ends with recording what happens to Sennacherib 
who was king of Assyria in 681. So it covers a long period of time. And it, it's probable that it was written at, in three different sections. And so the first one is uh, chapter 6 through 37, the Davidic king. And then when we come to the second book of it, it's the suffering servant in chapters 38 through 55. And then, uh, of course, we're so familiar with Christ being uh, the suffering servant of uh, chapters 52 and 53 in particular. And then when we come to the last part of it, we see the anointed conqueror in chapters 56 through 66. Now, lest you think I'm smart enough to come up with that myself, uh, Alec Mautier was a, a uh, Hebrew and Old Testament uh, theologian in England, uh, particularly in Wales. And uh, he and his book, his commentary, that's the way he divides it up. And having studied it, it makes great sense to me. And uh, so I, I want to encourage you to think in terms. And that's the way I'm going to present it to you. We're going to look at the Davidic king, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, his Messiahship, the suffering servant that he paid the rede uh, redemption price for us. And then look forward to a coming kingdom where he is the anointed conqueror. Uh, so let me read verses 1 through 10, and then we'll have a word of prayer, and then uh, see what the Lord has to say through these verses. In Isaiah 1, 1, it says, The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amoz, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. And this is what he says, Hear. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. And that's what I've given to the title of this message. The Lord has spoken. Children I have reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. And then he uses this, these illustrations. The ox knows its owner, and the, and the donkey knows its master's crib, but Israel does not know my people, does not know, and my people do not understand. So we have this, this little word, ah. It, it really is an exclamation. It, if you were to do it as a Hebrew would do it, it would almost sound like a cry out loud. He's trying to get our attention. Ah, sinful nation. A people laden with iniquity. Offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly, they have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. So why will you still be struck down and why will you continue to rebel? And then he describes the condition of the patient or the nation of Israel. He, he says, the whole head is sick. The whole heart is faint, and from the sole of the foot even to the head there is no soundness in it, but there are bruises and sores and raw wounds. And, and then he gives kind of a description of a, 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 what a doctor in those days might have done. They are not pressed out. Those wounds are not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. You're not healed. Your country lies desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. In your very presence, foreigners devour your land. It is desolate as overthrown by foreigners. And the daughter of Zion is left like a booth in a vineyard, like a lodge in a cucumber field, like a besieged city. There, there's nothing there, is what he's saying. If the Lord of hosts had not left us a few survivors, and here's his grace, then we would be like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. So what is his command here? Hear. Hear the word of the Lord. You who are rulers are like rulers of Sodom. Give ear or hearken, listen and obey to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. And so, Father, we do come and ask you to help us to hear 
what you are saying to your people in times of, of great prosperity, a time when everything was really going as well as it could go for Israel as far as their, their physical conditions, their political situations, and yet spiritually. Spiritually, the land was dead. The land was sick. The land was sore. The, the land was at the point of being like Sodom and Gomorrah. And yet out of your tender mercies, you spoke a word of grace. And I pray that today that we would hear your tender mercies, that we would hear the greatness of the grace that you offer your children, but that we would hear and we would hearken unto what you have to say to us. We ask you to do this by your grace and through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You see, this was a time of great prosperity. There are four different kings that are listed. And when, when in chapter 6 it says, and when the, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, that was such a meaningful thing. Uh, Uzziah had, had been king for four decades, and the land had prospered. Everything was going good. The economy was on an upswing. Everything was at its best. And yet they were spiritually at their worst. And God is addressing where they are. You see, what they needed to understand is there was no earthly king that was going to be able to help them. Okay? Apply it to today. There is no political system. There's no political person. Uh, we hear that the, the uh, democracy is under siege. It is at the point of dying. Uh, I, I kind of feel like Chicken Little is running around saying, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. Because the reality is we're really not a democracy, number one. Okay? You do know that, I hope. They haven't taught you that in school. We're a republic. We're a constitutional republic. We do use democratic means to function as a society, but we've got a problem with that. It's because people are sinful. We are sinful. And in so many ways, our forefathers understood, just like the Scripture was the authority from which we are to operate, that we were given a constitution from which we operate. And so... We can't look to a, a human king or political person in the same way in Isaiah's day he was saying, don't do that. No prosperity could dig them out of their diseases. They had disease, a disease in their soul that could not be healed. That's what God's Word is saying. And no prosperity can make the disease of the soul go away. When we're morally bankrupt, no, no possessions, no positions, no prosperity can, can heal that. We're in trouble when we're spiritually and morally bankrupt as we are today and as they were in Isaiah's day. There was no spiritual leadership that could comfort. Even Isaiah's word to them was not going to bring them help. Could have been the greatest preacher in the world. As a matter of fact, who was the greatest preacher in the world, humanly speaking? It was the Lord Jesus Christ. God come in the flesh, preached. And yet there is no spiritual leader that is going to be able to get us out of our predicament, predicament. But what they needed and what we need is to hear the word of the Lord. And then secondly, we need to heed the word of the Lord. Now, I may have to explain the word heed for our children in particular because that's not a word we, we use. What that word heed means is obey. You hear what it says and then you do it. And James chapter 1 tells us don't be just hearers of the word and, and deceive yourselves. 
but be doers of the word. And that's what God is calling the people in Isaiah's day to do. It's what he's calling us to do today. So to obey the word of the Lord, but to open up our ears and actually hear what it says. We've had more private time during the pandemic. Thank you (laughs) for laughing at my faux pas there. Uh, The pandemic. We've had more time and yet those statisticians, those who do statistics on, on Christians tell us that people have spent less time in the Word of God during the pandemic instead of more time. That's sad. We've had more time to do. I was interested in looking at history to find out that the most productive days of Sir Isaac Newton, when he discovered refraction and how to make a telescope, uh, occurred during a pandemic. Galileo understood the way that the earth nor the sun were not the centers of the universe and guess what was happening there was a plague going on he did it during the pandemic for those of us who can who would like to say well I'm just not getting anything done because of the pandemic we are going against history Uh, history actually tells us these should be our most productive times We have time to invest in those things which are eternal, those things which are special. We're living in such a day when uh, men are not listening to the Word of God. And and I mean that by mankind in general. We're, We're not listening to the Word of God. I hope and pray that you as a child of God are. Uh... Uh, but the message that is being given to the world today is that it is best self-serving. The wisdom of today changes from day to day to day. And uh, again, all we have to do is look at, uh, you know, do we wear a mask? Do we not wear a mask? How long do we quarantine? How long uh, before I can uh, get out? It it changes. that, That is the way of the world and I I kind of feel a lamentation I didn't know that uh, Alex was going to read from lamentation this morning I feel, I feel a lamentation like Jeremiah felt uh, he, he wrote it in, in chapter 8 of Jeremiah's prophecy in verse 11 they have healed the wound of my people lightly they have helped us out In just a little way by saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. You see, the peace that we're longing for and the peace that the human soul is searching after is ultimately peace with God. When you and I have peace with God, we can have peace with others. If we know that that God is satisfied with us through the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, we really don't care what others may say or do to us. Also, he went on in that same chapter, and he gave us a warning in Jeremiah 8. He said, the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we're still not saved. We're not saved. For the wound of the daughter of my people... Uh, is my heart wounded and I mourn and dismay has taken hold of me and I ask this question is there no balm in Gilead Uh, is there no physician there why then has the health of the daughter of my people not been restored and then his response is saying I don't see a healer there oh that my head were waters my eyes a fountain of tears that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people now I don't want to I don't want us to go into a time of mourning in particular this morning okay but there should be some mourning on our soul and heart to realize we're in, we're in desperate straits these days. As we begin 2022, something needs to happen. And it, 
It's, it's not on a political level. The question was asked here, is there not a balm in Gilead? Now, again, for the kids, what's a balm? Well, I could say it's a salve, and that'll help out a lot, right? Well, okay, what's a salve? Well, it's like an ointment. I'm getting closer, okay? It's like a medicine that is put on a wound to help bring healing. And the question is, there, is there not a medicine? Is there not something to put on the hurting pain of the wound that we feel spiritually? And what is the answer? The answer is, in their day they were saying, no, but listen, we've not gotten to the end of the story. You and I, they were looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. We look back and know that there is a balm in Gilead. There is a physician to heal the soul. And his name is Christ the Lord. And, and it's not just the quote-unquote Sunday school answer, as people would say. There is no other answer. There is only one answer, and it is a... An abiding relationship with Jesus Christ that comes through regeneration by faith as the work of the Holy Spirit in the heart of the believer. And we hear what he says and we heed what he says. And that's the simplicity of what is being said here. Well, I didn't tell you that was actually point one. Uh, That was the period, okay? The period of time in which Isaiah wrote, is very similar to the period of time in which we live. Well, what was the purpose of his writing? And I think the purpose for today. I think, number one, it is to confront. To confront. The Word of God um, is like a hammer, the Scripture says. A hammer can be very useful. It can be very helpful. But it can also be very damaging. Uh, If your thumb is hit by a hammer, (laughs) are you aware of it? Absolutely. And that's what God is saying here. So he says in verse 4, and I would holler it out, but I don't want to scare everybody. But, but, But the Hebrew way of doing it is... It's actually O-I, okay, in pronunciation. Ah! Okay, it's a cry of desperation. And that's what he says in verse 1. Ah, sinful nation, know that your problem is a moral problem. Sin is the problem. You are laden down with iniquity. Uh, you are offsprings of evildoers. And you are dealing corruptly. There's a confrontation that the Word of God applies to the heart and the soul of the human being. Uh, Janet and I met the other day with a counselor uh, to kind of figure out how we should respond in in certain issues in certain ways. And, and, you know, I expect a counselor to come uh, to be very comforting. (laughs) somebody's laughing and and yet the first line of questioning came to be what do you think God may be pointing out that is wrong now when you go to when you go to a counselor what do you want them to do you want them to fix the problem well when you go to the doctor what do you want the doctor to do fix the problem you know, and, and so, you know, a couple of years ago, no, a little over a year ago, year and a half ago, when I broke both bones in my, my lower leg here, and I went to the doctor, and he wanted to find out, you know, uh, how much uh, pressure I could put on it, and he began to move the bones. You know what he did? He confronted me with my problem. Okay? He confronted me with my problem, and it was painful to confront and and God does that but how does he do that he does it by his word through the working of the Holy Spirit they forgot to turn off this that means it's humid in here okay if y'all hadn't picked up on it it's humid uh, that's our that's our humid warning system at Faith Family Fellowship <clears throat> 
Uh, uh, where was I? Uh, what? Holy Spirit. Oh, the Holy Spirit. You and I can read the Word of God and get nothing out of it. Can't you? Sure. Do it all the time. Get up, have my quiet time, open the Bible, read it and go, hey, that's interesting. But what has to happen? I believe we need to stay in the Word of God long enough to let the Holy Spirit speak to our heart, to confront us. And the Lord confronts them and says, your problem is your sin. Verse 5 says, why, why will you be struck down? And, and why will you continue to rebel? Because you will not hear the Word of God and you will not heed the Word of God. And therefore, he describes that they are sick from the bottom of their feet to the top of their head. And he uses a very uh, gross illustration to talk about it. So number one, um, his purpose is to confront us. Number two, it is to call us. Verse 10, hear, he says. Listen, it's a command. He is calling us to hear the word of the Lord. When Isaiah begins, he says this is his vision. He, he's not talking about he had some kind of uh, uh, mystical event with God. He is saying God is bringing clarity. It's, it's like focusing the binoculars or the telescope. Bringing everything into clarity. And that's what that word vision there means. And here he is, he's calling us by giving us a command to hear the word of the Lord. Our desperate need today is the fact there's a famine in the land, and that is the famine is for hearing the word of the Lord. We're not hearing it. We're just not hearing it. And uh, I want to exhort us as a church body to make sure that we're hearing what God is saying. Uh, you know, my spiritual condition just, man, I'm, 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 I'm spiritually depressed. Things are just down. I can't seem to get out of this spiritual funk that I'm in. Well, what's the solution to that problem? I know what it is. It's get a new preacher. Well, I can tell you what, six or seven months from now, or four months, whatever, you know, there's no spiritual leader that's going to be able to take care of that problem. You know, spiritual revival comes when you and I hear what God has to say to our hearts from His Word. There's nothing like hearing a fresh word from God. You know, um, there, there's some bakeries that... Uh, uh, I, I, well, I know when we've been in uh, New York City... And we've been walking through the streets there. The bakeries there, they have their exhaust fans blowing out to the street. You know what I'm talking about? And you smell that. And what do you do? You go, I got to have some of that. I want some of that. There, there needs to be a, an, an alertness on our part, an awareness on our part that God is speaking His Word for today, for right now, to say to us, come and hear the word of the Lord and give heed to the teaching of our God. Thirdly, his purpose is to correct. Verses 16 through 17, we didn't get to that in the text we read. But notice what he says. There, there are imperatives here, commands here. Wash yourselves. You need, need a spiritual bath. You need a cleansing. If we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we lie and we don't do the truth. So don't, don't say, I don't need spiritual cleansing. And, and like Peter, when Jesus went to wash His feet, Peter said, you're not going to wash my feet. Jesus said, then you're not going to have a part with me. And then what does Peter say? Right before we're getting ready to take this. It was the Lord's Supper. Then give me a bath. Wash me all over. 
And he said, a man who's been washed all over, who's been spiritually saved, redeemed, converted, doesn't need to be saved all over again. He just needs to be cleansed. You and I need to come for cleansing. Wash yourself. Make yourselves clean. But also there's an idea of repentance here. Remove the evil deeds from before your eyes and cease to do evil. There's got to be repentance. We have remorse. We have regret. We have sorrow for our sin. But that in and of itself is not sufficient. God says there must be repentance. Putting it away from us. Casting it off. Even the struggles that you and I uh, tend to struggle with over and over again, we need to come back and not say, well, you know, I, I, I've done that before and I'm no better off. Sometimes we need to repent multiple times. And remember that repentance is a gift from God. It is a gift from God. And crying out unto God until He grants us true repentance you can't transform your own life I can't change my own life I can be sorry for where I am but repentance is something that comes as a gift from God so he says that and then in verse 17 he says learn to do good seek justice correct oppression bring justice to the fatherless and plead the widow's cause so in correcting us he's calling us back again to yes Hear the call uh, that the Lord is giving to us. Uh, understand He's confronted us for a purpose. And then there must be a correction on our part to do the will of God. And then lastly, I want you to see the provision. The provision. In verse 18. Because I can't do these things by myself. I, I can come and say to the Lord, it is my heart. To cease from doing evil. It's my heart to learn to do that which is good. But Isaiah 1, 18 says, come. Now that's very personal. It's coming to a person. Come to me is the idea. Come to me and let us reason together, says the Lord. Come to the Lord. Come to him afresh and anew. You know, when was the last time you, you uh, scheduled off time to come be with the Lord in desperation? We, we schedule things all the time, don't we? We put them in our, our smartphones and it tells us, you know, tomorrow morning. I, I, every morning, 7.30, my phone tells me, call your mother. Am I that wicked of a son that I have to be told by my phone to call my mother? Apparently I am. Actually, I'm just that forgetful, okay? But 7.30, it tells me, do it. I schedule that time off for mom, okay? Do we schedule that time off for coming to the Lord and reasoning together with Him? There's nothing like it. It is the sweetest, most passionate time you'll ever have in your life and God is calling us to do that he gives us this Lord's table for us to come and to remember though Christ in his presence is not here he says I will not drink of this cup or eat of this bread until I eat it new with you in heaven but oh you and I can feast with the Lord. You and I need to come to this table this morning prepared. Now, in a Baptist church, uh, we pass the plates out. Um, the guys that prepared it used gloves to do it, and I see that we don't even have any. Uh, do we have any of the little cups out there? We don't. Okay. Uh, we must have run out. So, uh, there, there is clean as they can be okay but when you come to this I want you to understand this is to be a spiritual reminder that you're coming to Christ it's a spiritual moment baptism is not just a time to get a spiritual bath you're not just getting wet when you go up there God's given us two ordinances to 
operate on as a body of believers to remind us that we died to an old life and have been resurrected to a new life and we can't live this life apart from ingesting Christ all the time. I need Him. Oh, I need Him. Every hour I need Him. Bless me now, my Savior. Come to me. And God is inviting you to come to Him. Now, uh, I would hope that your, your heart today is honest. If God has confronted you about something that you would cry out unto the Lord in confession and repentance and receiving from Christ His grace and His mercy. Because there's not enough good that you can do that's going to make you good enough to partake of the Lord's table. But it'll be Christ in you. Christ in you. So we're going to give an invitation. And if you need to come and kneel at the altar and pray, please do so. You can do it there where you're standing. Uh, if you need to follow Christ uh, in baptism, unite with the family of uh, faith family, uh, we invite you to come. But uh, let's stand together. We'll have a word of prayer and then we'll sing a word of exhortation to each other and to the Lord. Father, we do thank you that you said in your word at the end of the Bible that uh, let him who is thirsty come and drink of the water of life at no cost. The cost was paid by Christ. Help us today to come with a heart full of hearing your word, desiring to heed your word, ready to repent of all sin and to trust in the living God and not in the ways of man. And help us to live feasting on the life giver who is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. In his name we pray. Amen.